Welcome back to another episode of the Think Deeper Podcast. I'm your co-host, Will Harab, joined by Jack and Joe Wilkie. We are excited to delve further into the topic of discussion that we started last week, kind of about new, I guess not new, but uh, recent cultural trends in the evangelical community. Uh, so we'll provide a quick recap of uh, what we talked about last week, and then, uh, you know, of course, we'll delve into the stuff that we have lined up for this week. But before we do that, I wanted to, or we wanted to, talk about something that we are super excited about coming out coming up this weekend actually if you happen to be one of our listeners that is from the southern california area or are close to uh, victorville i think that's about an hour outside of la or something like that um we the three of us are going to be speaking at the first ever think deeper seminar at the victor valley church of christ in victorville california uh, the three of us could not be more excited about it of course we um, if you listen to our podcast, you know that we enjoy talking to each other. You know we enjoy talking about cultural events, of course, how those things relate to God's word and really how we as Christians are supposed to live. And I mean, it's fun doing it over Zoom and you know recording a podcast, but for the three of us to get to do it in person at a seminar, I'm really, really excited about it. And so um, if you do happen to be in the Southern California area, come join us. It'll be Friday through Sunday at the Victor Valley Church of Christ's. Um, but if you're not in the Southern California area and you're like, man, I'd really like to hear that, talk to your elders and schedule a Think Deeper seminar. We would love to come out and uh, and ho- and have one of these for your congregation. Um, and as far as topics go, you know, with the way that we did it with this congregation is kind of like, hey, what would you like us to talk about? We have a lot of things, of course, that we cover with this podcast. And so we go a lot of different directions, but we talked about it before. If you are interested or have any questions about maybe scheduling a Think Deeper seminar with the three of us. Um, let us know. Reach out to us. Message Jack on on Facebook or message the, the the Facebook page. Hit our hit us up on email or whatever it may be. But we are super excited to be in uh, Victorville this upcoming weekend, September. What is that? I think ninth through the tenth or ninth through the eleventh or something like that. Eighth it's, through tenth. Eighth is the Friday night it starts. There you go. Eighth through the tenth. And so I'm um, looking forward to that. I think that's all we have to talk about to start this week's episode. Again, this is going to be a part two. Um, tying very heavily into last week's episode. So if you did not get a chance to listen to last week's episode, that's fine. It will give you a little bit more context as to what we're talking about this week. I am going to hand it over to Jack to kind of give a real quick recap of what we talked about last week. And and Jack, before you do, just real fast so our listeners can hear, what sort of things are we talking about? Can you give them a brief overview? You don't have to tell them everything, but just what sort of things are we talking about at the seminar? Just because they may say, we like listening to you, but like, what what exactly are you providing? Sure. Um, just give them a quick recap and then roll that into the recap of last week. Yeah, they wanted us to talk about some of the uh, church and church family things. We did an arc last summer, uh, summer 2022, on uh, my book, Church Reset and Church Family and the involvement of every member and things like that. But we're going to go different directions, problem solving, you know, some of the strain of, of families in the church and, and things like that. So uh, things that, you know, we all kind of bring our own different expertise, uh, different things that we, we focus on, study more heavily, um, you know, Joe with conflict resolution and, and, you know, things from the counseling and therapy world, uh, you know, Will with, with family and, and younger folks stuff and things like that. And so we're, we're just going to blend all of that into just a, a stronger church kind of topics. And so, uh, they, they picked a really good slate, really looking forward to getting to meet the folks out there. And, uh, again, anybody in the area, come on out. All right. So to recap briefly. Uh, we spoke last week about these these trends in evangelicalism going back to the 70s and 80s, really the rise of the megachurch thing. 
We talked about some big names that you may or may not be familiar with. Bill Hybels, Rick Warren, Tim Keller, Andy Stanley. And again, to establish this as I mean, like 98% of our audience is Church of Christ members. This is relevant to us because as I was thinking about it this morning and thinking about what we had covered and what we're going to cover, Bill Hybels model of church is like the dominant model. Like that's everybody across the nomination is looking to grow in the way that he set up programs and events and and just the calendar and, and everything that a church kind of puts on, quote unquote. A lot of it stems back to to Bill Hybels and Willow Creek in, in Illinois. And so there's that influence there. There's Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, and how much influence he's had. And um, Tim Keller, uh, so many preachers subscribe to the Tim Keller School of Cultural Engagement. And we talked about that in the, the neutral world and how it kind of worked for a while, but even then it wasn't a good strategy. And that leads to the Andy Stanley School of Engagement, which is just keep apologizing to the world and telling them how terrible Christians are and kind of beating up on the church to try and look cool to the world. And so we covered that. Then we covered the emerging church movement, which was an overreaction of the early 2000s of saying church got too big, too businesslike. Let's kind of strip away all of the fences and boundaries and just make it all relational, all individual, all subjective to what every person wants to bring to the table and, and what every person wants to believe, really stripping down creeds and doctrines and 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 predictably, it drifted into nothingness because there were no guardrails. There was no point at which they said, okay, you can't believe that and be part of the church. And so, as was mentioned, one of the very biggest names of the emerging church movement, Brian McLaren, uh, now uh, Will brought up, the, the man preached his own son's gay wedding a few years ago. I mean, like that's, it just drift, 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 drift all the way off the map. And so, uh, we looked at those mo- movements and um, where they ended up. We've got some smaller, I guess, more more niche, more specific ones we're going to get to this time. We're going to start with one more really big one. Um, it was around, I don't know, it was like a more central version, kind of splitting the difference between traditional Christianity and the emergent thing is it was Crazy Love by Francis Chan, Radical by David Platt, Um Wow, the Matt Chandler had a book in there as well that was very popular that I'm drawing a blank on the title of, but sold millions and millions and millions of copies and very good books in their own way to a degree. We're always spit out the bones, people. We don't agree with everything. I'm going to say to their credit, Francis Chan and David Platt are both baptism for the remission of sins, guys, and they have been some of the loudest critics of the sinner's prayer in the denominational world. So let's give them that credit, even though we disagree with them on a lot of things, maybe more so all the time we'll get to in a minute. But let's talk about what those books introduced, what what ideas came out of them. The, the good ideas that came out of them were American Christianity has become stale. It's become incredibly lukewarm. We've got to do more. You weren't meant to just go to church for an hour a week and call it good. There's got to be some more behind there. So let's I mean, I think we've both read one or, or we've all I mean, all three of us have read one or both of the books, correct? Yeah, yeah. I've read Crazy Love. I have not read Radical. All right, Joe. I've read both. Okay. I haven't yeah, read and, Matt Chandler one, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know why I'm going to have to look it up here when I pass this off, but uh, it, there were a lot of books in that vein, but those were the two biggest ones, Radical and Crazy Love. And so what, what kind of came out of that, I guess, is what we're going to talk about here. I think Not a Fan from Kyle Eidelman was another big one that was yes. going around that was in the same vein, um, which was, again, another good book. But yeah, so the, the key to this movement, as you talked about, is getting away from lukewarm Christianity. So 
I think Francis Chan at the height of his quote unquote power, I think he had like 9,000 people at his Simi Valley church said, this isn't what God intended to have this big of a church. I don't want to be the leader of the church. Um, and so he just up and moved his family to, I think Myanmar, uh, one of the, the East Asian, like those, those East Asian countries, maybe Malaysia, Myanmar, something like that. And, um, yeah, basically faded into obscurity. It was pretty interesting. And, that's really what he was pushing for in crazy love is kind of doing these crazy things and, and radical is the same thing of doing radical things for Christ. And so if that means giving up all your possessions and, you know, going to serve the homeless in San Francisco, which he literally did, then that's what we need to do. If that means that you, you leave your lucrative job and, you know, yes, you're taking care of your family, but you leave your lucrative job so you can go serve in Africa, then that's what you need to do if you're feeling called to, to do those things. And so there was a strong emphasis on, doing things for God and not just things, doing radical things for God and leaving behind everything you've known and getting away from kind of the American consumerism and moving into like these steadily increasing, increasingly extreme things, such as just up and moving to Asia. Uh, so there was a lot of like, you read that and you go, whoa, this is incredible. They're talking about all these prayers that are answered and all these things that are happening. And I think people genuinely wanted to experience that almost it, it it almost had a feel of like a camp feel if that makes sense to so where all the emotions are heightened and everything you go this is incredible god's in this place god is working spiritual high and, right That's yes and point. so the, the the stories that they tell were very much the spiritual high like i want that and if i have to chase that by leaving everything that i know then that's what i'm going to do so again i did not read radical read crazy love i think when i was 17 16 or 17 and at the time when I came away from reading that, I was like, that's one of the best books I've ever read. Um, and I still think it's an incredibly, it's a great yeah. book. Francis Chan does a great job in that book of describing, really communicating, first of all, the idea of we don't fully grasp how much God loves us and, and how, well, basically why that's such a big deal. The fact that he's the creator of the universe and he created literally everything around us and yet he chooses to love us. So he communicated that very well. And then he also communicated very well to, to Joe's point, the lukewarmness of the modern state of Christianity. And I think that's one of the biggest pros with the book is that modern day, even in the church of Christ, Christendom, so to speak, is a very, for the most part, selfish, selfish Christianity is what I would call it. It's the theological minimalism of what is the least amount that I have to do uh, to kind of keep my way of life and keep, you know, my life of luxury and basically what's the least amount that I have to sacrifice. That's what most people, um, unfortunately, that's their mindset towards Christianity. And man, Francis Chan turned that upside down on its head. And, and so I think that is one of the biggest pros of the book is that it, it promoted a very selfless view of Christianity, a very selfless view of serving God. And so I remember, in fact, coming away from reading that feeling super guilty, like you know, because he does, he does talk about, and he pushes the idea of selling your possessions and the rich kind of young giving ruler, up, right? Yeah, giving up, giving up everything, giving up. You brought up the job and stuff like that. And so, I don't know how much more we want to kind of go over what the, you know, what the tenets of these books are versus going ahead and getting into maybe where they fall short. So, I guess the first question that I'll ask is. Because, of course, I have my answer on it. But again, one of the things that was very present in Crazy Love, and I'm sure Radical as well, kind of the idea that if you're not going out and serving on a mission field, if you're not giving up everything that you have to go serve the poor and go do this and that, if you're not doing those things, basically that you're kind of less of a Christian. And so it, it 
it promoted the idea that, hey, every single Christian should go serve on the mission field. Every single, and I don't even know if he ever came out and said that, but that was certainly the implication that I got from reading the book is that every Christian should aspire to go serve on the mission field. Every Christian should aspire to, again, go sell their possessions, go serve the poor, to give up the nice job, leave the suburban neighborhood, pull your kids out of private school, like all the nice things that we enjoy. Kind of the idea that, hey, every Christian should should, should strive towards constant ministry, constant missionary you know, focus. Guys, how do we feel about that? That that's I guess the first question that I wanted to ask. Of course, again, I've got my thoughts on that, but to open it up to you guys, that's that's the implication that a lot of people got from reading certainly Crazy Love. Again, I don't want to speak too much to radical because I didn't read that one. Um, but yeah, that's that's the feeling that he left you with after reading the book is hey, if I'm not doing that, I'm a lukewarm Christian. How yeah, I, I want that? you to answer that. I want Briefly, you to well, I'm just going to say this. Radical took it farther than Crazy Love. Would you agree with that, Joe, having read both? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. It did. Yeah. No. What I was going to say is, and and I was I mentioned it briefly earlier that that um, rich young ruler, there is, I wouldn't say hints of this. I mean, they really did build it because you go, wow, that's kind of crazy. We're going to talk about that in a second. But to to what do you call it? Strong strongman, like the steel man. What do you call it when you're building steel, steel man. man. Thank you. I always think of Iron Man. It's like it's not Iron Man. I know that. Um, but uh, Iron Man is great too. Anyway, to you're steel drawing man, a stark contrast here, right? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, the rich young ruler is kind of one of their big, Hey, you got all these possessions. That's the average American coming to Jesus. And what do you think Jesus would say to the average American? Maybe give up your possessions of all of him. You go, wow, that sounds very religious. Like that sounds very good. Like spiritual. That should be the good thing. People coming to Jesus. Hey, how about you give up? Like, don't even go talk, tell your parents by basically like the man who looks back, isn't fit for the plow type of thing. Like, there's all these things of Jesus calling people to this. And so you can read it and very easily make the conclusion. These guys are spot on. We need to do those things. We're going to pump the brakes on that. Jack, I'm going to let you take that because I think there's more to life than just leaving behind everything and going to the, the mission field in Myanmar or whatever. But Jack, get us into maybe some of the lesser, some of the struggles with this. So this is the way I was thinking it. And this helped me kind of formulate my argument against some of these things. And maybe it'll help other people. Maybe I'm going to come across like a nerd here or something. You watch Star Wars as a kid. Man, I want to be Luke Skywalker. I want to be Obi-Wan. I want to be, you know, whichever Jedi. You want to be Yoda, whatever it may be. But when you realize in these fictional worlds you enter, there's a bazillion people and there's three Jedi, right? There's there's three main characters or whatever. And you're focused on the main characters that if I was in that world, I would not be Luke Skywalker. I'd be the guy that he walks past in the street, you know, like that. That's it. In the same way, we kind of read the New Testament like, well, Paul did this and Jesus did this and Peter did this. And there's a lot of that that we're supposed to emulate. Not all of it. OK, I mean, the idea of an apostle going from place to place, you look at the difference between Paul and Timothy. Timothy was, hey, man, stay in this city and work with these people. You weren't supposed to. Timothy wasn't supposed to be Paul. Timothy wasn't supposed to sell all of his stuff and go journey all over and be beaten and thrown in prison, all these things. If push came to shove in Ephesus, he was supposed to be willing to do that. But that wasn't his life. But then you remove it one layer further. You're not Timothy either. You're the guy in Timothy's church who Timothy is teaching to be a husband and a father. And that's OK. That that that's a normal life that every Christian. Because as the gospel spreads, you need Paul's. You need Timothy's, but what they create is churches full of people who aren't Paul's and Timothy's. And that's just essentially fine. essentially what you're saying, and people are gonna hate to hear this, is we're not all on the same playing field. Right. We don't all have the same job here. And and so 
with the the radical crazy love uh, explicit gospel is the matt chandler one i finally looked it up not a fan all of these things there's another critique i have these all are an outworking of the work of john piper all of those guys say they are big uh, you know fans of influence by john piper who is massively in influential and again this is one of those i'm in the church of christ i don't listen to your preacher does all of my preacher buddies were had a, a John Piper phase. Some of them still big John Piper people. I had a John Piper phase because he says a lot of stuff that does. It's He's like, man, great I, stuff. Yeah. I need to grow closer to God. And his book was called Desiring God. And it was this long, flowery book about you need to desire God more. Here's the problem with, with John Piper's work that comes out in these guys' work. You're constantly his what what is you're gonna have to help me, Joe, with his uh Christian hedonism principle is God am is I most glorified God with me when I am most when satisfied and satisfied with satisfied right. Him. And so you're constantly asking, am I enjoying God enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Like, you know, I went to church, but I just didn't I didn't really feel connected enough. So, man, I don't know that I'm, I'm really close to it. It's constant self-flagellation. It's kind of what Will, you said when you came away from reading that book is guilty. I'm guilty. Right. You know, like I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. It, like it, it's never enough. It's never. And there's it, it's almost like this approach. Some people have to fitness or whatever, you know, I, some of those David Goggins, Jocko Willink guys of, I just got to beat myself into the ground, you know, like you really don't. Okay. And as a Christian, right. you don't have to go over the top, just ridiculous being a, and I want to say this to our listeners. If you are being a husband and father or mother and wife, or, or as a single Christian or as a, a younger Christian who's growing up and where you are in your school, in your workplace and in, in whatever it is you're doing in life, you're trying to live out and be submissive to God and, and how he would have you do things. That's enough. He's enough. You have God. You don't need to be looking around going, I, I just don't think I've done enough. I need to give up more. I need to give up. Like, And that's what these books, there was that guilt. And a lot of people did. A lot of people went onto the mission field. A lot of people just, I got to do something. I got to do, do something great for God. No, you don't. You got to so, raise a family faithfully. Just do that. I've got two critiques that I wanted to talk about. And that kind of hits on one of them is that it's just simply human nature that that is going to be unsustainable. You're going to get burned out if that's something Absolutely. that is is the 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 focus and and the emphasis behind every single Christian's life. That's not an excuse for us to just sit back on our lives of luxury and never sacrifice or never serve or never be mission minded. Nothing like that. But if you make the focus, if you make hey, this is essentially what you have to do if you want to be a quote unquote legitimate Christian, it's going to result in burned out people it's going to it is the the gym thing of like i've got to go and i got to lift you know i got to do 50 pound curls every single day for the rest of my life and never stop good luck with that you're not going to be able to do right. that because that's unsustainable and so that was one of the critiques that i had with with this whole movement is sounds great as joe said like you read it and you're like yeah that lines up in a lot of ways with what i see and what you know what i should be doing it is unsustainable it does ignore the biblical principles of Lead your quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands, provide for your family, take care of your family. Where where does that fit into this whole, you know, abandon your job and go serve in the mission field type of thing? Again, I'm not saying that somebody can't do that, but it was kind of this one size fits all approach that, that you know, that every, again, every Christian should be this way that I just didn't see as sustainable. The other, and Joe, you can comment on that if you want, but the other thing I wanted to bring up before I hand it off to you, Joe, is... It reminds me of, we had a great comment um, from one of our Focus Plus subscribers for our deep end segment on, I'm trying to remember which episode it was, but basically it was the idea that 
should the church use their giving more, their contribution more to mm. basically take care of those who were um, less fortunate in their congregations, basically that the wealthier in the congregation give more to take care of those who were poorer. And I might be butchering, you know, kind of what the guy was saying, but that was the, the, the premise that I took away from it. And what we pointed out in our deep end segment in response to that is it's not the role of the church. It's not the role of Christians to make, I guess, giving to make other people more wealthy is not the, is not the point of being a Christian and giving. And I think that's the other thing about this movement that it kind of had a misunderstanding of poverty, misunderstanding of wealth of this idea that, well, if we just gave more, it would, it would alleviate human suffering and, and the world would be better if we just gave more, gave more money. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. You know, again, if, if, if ideally we'd all be socialists, right. And everybody would just be, but that's not, that's not real life. That's not how things work. And that obviously that's a failed economic system. And so I, I think it, I don't know, it gave a false idea of giving. It gave a false idea of, of generosity. Of course we should be generous and of course we should be charitable, but to act like that's the one solution to everything is just sell all you have and give to the poor. That uh, to me, that, that reflects a misunderstanding, a poor understanding of the biblical value of being generous and giving. So Joe, I don't know if you want to comment on both of those, but those were kind of the two critiques I wanted to bring up about this. Yeah. To both of your points, you know, we need Christian plumbers. We need Christian secretaries. We need Christian school teachers. We definitely need to have, we need Christian lawyers, you know, like we need Christians in their workplaces because if everybody leaves for the mission field, like maybe your mission field is where you're working. Maybe and to both of your points there, I think you guys said it really well. So I don't want to like beat the dead horse there, but we really need Christians to be okay with where they're at, where they're not doing great things for the Lord. You raising a family and really focusing on multi-generational faithfulness is, is doing a great thing, thing for the Lord. Yeah, It is the greatest thing because it says your dad says, you know what? No, it didn't convert a single person. Got his family on the boat. Like that's so key to think about that. Our job is to get the family on the boat, so to speak. And yes, if we can evangelize and whatnot. So to that point, the second thing I would say is spiritual gifts are a thing. It's the same thing we talk about. Not everybody is given the spiritual gift to get up and preach and to teach. Not everybody's given a spiritual gift to encourage, even though everybody wants to use that one, right? Like not everybody's given the spiritual gift to go out and evangelize or the spiritual gift of faith. And you see some people. So if you feel called to go serve in the mission field in Africa, and this is something that you, you've prayed a lot about, you've experienced some crazy things where God really seems to be leading you. Hey, we are not here to tell you, don't do it. You know, we need you here. Hey, go do it. That's fantastic if God is doing it. However, to me, that's the exception. That's not what everybody's getting. Some people have that gift that they can go and do that. That is very difficult work. So yes, it leads toward burnout to your point, Will. Like it leads toward people going into the mission field and then getting really depressed. And they're not, that that doesn't make for good mission work either. It's not that missionaries can't be depressed from time to time, but you know what I mean? Like make sure that you're recognizing your spiritual gift in this. And I think if we recognize that and spent some time really discussing that with one another, it wouldn't be so tempting to have to go do these great things of faith. It would be like, you know what? I know who I am. I know what I'm about. I know my spiritual gift in my small church here in Oklahoma, Texas, Tennessee, wherever it may be. And that's really what's needed of me right now is to help my family and to help the church in this area. I think that would have alleviated a lot of this radical, crazy love. We've got to go do crazy things out there if we really knew what we were about. I think we also missed something on the be like Jesus part. Jesus was here for 33 years for a reason. He wasn't here to set up a family. He wasn't here for long term to put down roots. He was here to accomplish that purpose. We're not here for that same thing. 
where we do emulate Jesus is being submitted to the Father in all things, but that means different things for different people. That doesn't mean everybody needs to go to the cross or, or do all the things that he did. And so being like him doesn't mean exactly. It means taking the principle and applying it. And what happens is we get stuck on evangelism, 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 mission, 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 mission. To what end? What about the next generation? What about a, a hundred years from now? And this movement has really missed that. And that's why I wanted to get to before we got out at this one, the kind of a where are they now segment. David Platt fell big time for wokeism. I mean, like was driving anti-woke people out of his church, like did a church coup kind of power struggle thing over the BLM movement. Um, Francis Chan, he's kind of gone off the grid. Uh, you know, there, there are rumors that he's gone a little bit charismatic. I, it's really hard to say. And to his credit, he never wanted to be celebrity church mega pastor guy. And so he's really shied away from that. I think that is a notch in his honor, but I don't really know what to say. Matt Chandler, he's had a scandal. He also went super woke. I mean, a lot of the Jared Wilson, there, there's a lot of these names that are kind Consider of the fruits is what you're yeah, saying around this. And like, because it didn't have a long-term plan, because this was always built to burn out, it wasn't sustainable, as you guys have said. It wasn't. I mean, like 10 years later, it, it, it's not really a thing anymore. Will, did you have some? Well, yeah, I want to bring up where I see this leaking into the Church of Christ. And I have brought this up before. It's one of the things that I harp on. It's tied into Joe's point. But we are so, with our programs, with our camps, with so many things, evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. Go baptize, baptize, baptize. And that that is that is the... The big push, we should evangelize. We should be looking to baptize people. But why are we doing that to the neglect and to the detriment of discipling our families? That's what's so maddening to me is that we've got all these camps, all these programs, all these lectureships about how do we go out and evangelize? How do we go out and evangelize? How do we go out and convert people and baptize people? That's great. That's something that's needed and valuable. Where are the lectureships and where are the conferences and where are the camps about? This is how, as a dad, you raise faithful kids. This is how, as a mom, you make sure that for the 18 years that you have your kids, you can make sure that they are, you're going to do everything you can to help them stay faithful. My mom, one of her greatest quotes when people ask why she doesn't do more speaking and, you know, things like that, you know, missionary stuff, she said, My kids are my mission field. And I, I think that that's such a good point about like, you can do all the evangel evangelizing, all the missionary stuff that that you know to your heart's content. If you lose your kids, kind of negates your influence, so to speak. It kind of undoes a lot of that work. And again, I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't go out and evangelize. I'm not trying to say that we shouldn't be mission minded again, or that we shouldn't try to baptize people. But I think the Church of Christ needs a much stronger focus on this is how you raise your kids to be faithful. This is how you disciple your family. This is how you multi generational faithfulness, as we brought up. This is how you you bring about passing the faith on to the next generation through the kids that you have versus, well, let me see how many different people I can go evangelize to when we're losing families, when we're losing our kids. That's to me what one of the most frustrating things is. And it's to me, it's kind of a, a an arm of this movement of everything's got to be out there. Everything's got to be way over there overseas. What about in your own home? What about making sure your kids are remaining faithful while you're shipping them off to public school where they're having their faith eroded? You're worried about, well, how can I go evangelize to people? You got that backwards. Again, evangelism is important, but not at the expense of you raising your kids to be faithful. Well, Jack's, Jack's point was perfect of like, to what end? You know, we, we evangelize, we evangelize, we evangelize. At some point, somebody has to be the Christian plumber. Somebody's, you know what I mean? Like at some point, somebody's going to have to learn to live in the world and not just above the world. And that's really where, and, and that sounds terrible to say of evangelism, but I think we can have that high-minded view of it. But it's so good, Will, and I love that. I don't know if you want to call it rant soapbox. I, that was that was brilliant because the other it was thing a rant, is it yeah. pushes us. 
it pushes us right into our next one. If we're good, I want to say on. one other thing though, as to how this manifests in the church of Christ. I forgot this point. Sure. They, what grew out of this was the term gospel issue. That's not a gospel issue. Why didn't they talk about all these other things? Well, we need to stay focused on the gospel. They had a conference. I don't know if it fell apart when they all kind of parted ways, but, or if it, maybe it's still going, but it's called together for the gospel. And it was always evangelism, discipleship, you know, mission, mission, all that stuff. And it did not get into these nitty gritty practical things of life that we've talked about before. Like the Proverbs don't exist to these people because the Proverbs are about like, hey, here's what you do with your money and with your kids and your life, you know, like all this stuff. It's not a gospel issue. Right. It's not a gospel issue. So we're not going to talk about it. So when we at Focus Press get into the things we talk about that a lot of our deep thinkers enjoy and are, are thankful that we do. Because they say, man, this isn't talked about anywhere else. Why isn't it talked about anywhere else? Not a gospel issue. It's in the Bible. Okay. Like it, it is submission to Christ. It's part of it. But that is one of the terms that came out of this is let's just stay focused on the gospel. Let's not get distracted by politics. Let's not get distracted by culture or any of these things. They're trying to turn your kids trans, man. That's a gospel issue. I'm sorry. Like you can't just categorize things and go, ah, we're not going to touch that one. You have to. Okay. And, right. and because they didn't, they were ripe for the picking for wokeism because they didn't have any grounding in this other stuff. And right. so the gospel issue thing is one that you do hear a lot in the church and that we get leveled at us. We guys just wish you would just stick to the gospel. That's, that's a total misread of what we're supposed to do. So I wanted the to throw that in before Christ, we moved on. The gospel is the good news of Christ reigning over everything. This is everything that reigning over everything is the key word there. Yeah, that's exactly it. And let me just throw this in, as you said there, Jack, uh, just to, I'm, I'm going to um, pump oh our boy. own tires here for a second. Hey, we were way ahead on the Disney thing, and now it's coming out even more that they are having, Will, you just sent that, that they're dressing up men in dresses and uh, with mustaches and beards and everything else and yeah. presenting as female characters at Disney. We knew this for, was happening. For this your kids more. to go take pictures with. Right. Correct. Yes, to take pictures with the kids. Um, we were way ahead on this one, and so I am I am going to pump our own tires there for a second. Get your kids away from Disney, please. This is not a gospel issue. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, man. I like to your point, Jack, they're turning our kids trans to your point. Will. like we're in our, we're in the public school. We're not thinking about these things. These things matter. And so the gospel, I, I love how you wrap that up, Jack, like the gospel centered approach sounds very spiritual. It sounds very religious, sounds very good, but in practicality, we're losing people. So I want to bring it back around to the next, next point and what you were talking, Will, about the importance of families, because this next movement People, this may have been off the <laughs> off the grid for some people. Like, I don't know. For us, we are homeschooled. All three of us are homeschooled. So, of course, me and Jack were brothers. So, of course, we were. Um, but this was huge in the homeschool movement. So, I don't know. We'll get into people, this, you know, but how much people more. People are, are becoming way more familiar with it now because of the Duggar documentary. That's true. The Duggars, That's yep. true. Because the Duggar documentary. It's the idea of the quiverful movement. Now, you have Bill Gothard, Doug Phillips. The Duggars are big ones. Um and vision forum, which was Doug vision Phillips forum. Company. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Vision forum. And they push this quiver full movement. Now, I don't know which one wants, which one of you wants to kind of break down what exactly this is, but it is strongly focused on the family. So we're kind of switching back from this crazy, ra crazy love, radical gospel center, go out and evangelize everybody to quiver full movement. Will get us into that. It looks like you're ready. Well, I was just, I was just going to say vision forum and Doug Phillips was a staple in our house growing up. That was one of the things yep. we watched his videos. We listened to their audiobooks. My mom bought a lot of their um, books for us to read, you know, curriculum wise, like they were a staple. And I think they were for a lot of people in the homeschool community, because similar to the last uh, thing that we talked about, there were so many elements of it that were like, yes, that that is right. That is what we need to be doing. Um, 
as far as the movement goes, there, there were kind of a lot of tenets of it. Obviously, homeschooling was one of them. They were big proponents that you need to be homeschooling your kids. Um, modest dress was another one uh, that you need, that our daughters need to be dressing modestly. Um, you know, sons too, of course, but of course, daughters, the emphasis was on more so. Uh, big families, the quiverful movement that comes from Psalm 127, where it talks about um, children being a blessing, happy is the man who have his, has his quiver full of them. And so they were um, correct me if I'm wrong, but anti-birth control, like ha- basically have as many kids as possible type of thing, have really big families, uh, big into Duggers patriarchy. One was one of the- yeah, the Duggars certainly took that one seriously, but big into patriarchy. Um, and they were anti-dating a lot of things. I just covered a, a wide, a wide range of, of topics there, but that, those were kind of the hallmarks of this movement that vision form and Doug Phillips really pushed. Um, Gothard's another one, of course, and the Duggars. And so, Guys, this one is very interesting because, again, all three of us were raised under the principles of every single one of those things that we talked about, anti-dating, um, fathers, the head of the family, homeschooling, big families, modest stress, like check, 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 check. Like We agree on all those things, obviously, with Phillips, with Gothard, a lot of, lot of um, scandal surrounding it, not to mention the Duggars. You know, of course, that's being now broadcasted to the world about how big of a mess that was. And so... We wanted to talk about this one. I don't know if you guys want to provide a little bit more background anymore on what that movement was all about, because I just kind of gave a broad overview. But what did you guys have to add to that? Yeah, it's very heavily family based. And Bill Gothard is famous for the umbrella picture of, you know, God is over the husband and father who is over the wife and they're over the children together. And, you know, like the, the patriarchy, submission, hierarchy and all that. That's just straight up biblical. But because yeah. all of these abuses came out of this movement, people and that was my critique. I wrote an article on the, the Duggar documentary where it, this is just what they do is they take the obviously objectionable things and pair them with the biblical things and be like, well, look, this is all in the same basket. It's not right. There is a way. And I mean, I I think I would say we are proudly the most openly pro patriarchal podcast in the churches of Christ. Um, I'd have to check with Titus and Daniel. I think they'd be cool with calling dogma that one as well. You know, like <laughs> focus, pre- that's the they only place you're going to get. Two. We're number one. They can be. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, like we're, the, we're the two, we're the two. Gym's number the one, right? Yeah. That's yeah. The gym. There you go. I mean, yeah. like it's focus press is your one-stop shop here, right? Yes. Um, because it's a term that makes people nervous because of these abuses. And that's what people look at is man, this father dominated thing. Well, dominance, if, if dominance is involved, it's not what we're talking about. That's not biblical. I mean, that's very clearly not. But as Will is saying, uh, uh, what's his name? Phillips. Doug Phillips had a sex scandal. Bill Gothard had a large sex scandal. Um, R.C. Sproul Jr. was another big name. Yeah, as you said, Josh Duggar, the worst of all the scandals. But then Jim Bob Duggar covering up for him, which was kind of rolled into the whole patriarchal thing of this father kind of controlling the family image. None of that is healthy. None of that is biblical. And so it's very easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater and not ask, did they have anything right? Do they have any biblical right. principles well, that they were standing on? And I would say that they do. I, w- I would say that uh, God is pro-family. God is pro-childbirth. That doesn't mean you need to have 19 of them. But uh, that, I mean, because you look at it between uh, the three of us here, we're not even that old. And we've got uh, Joe's got number four on the way, uh, you know, and uh, Will, uh, two there, four over here. Uh, you know, like there, there's a lot of kids running around when we get together. And so right. that's not a bad thing. That's a biblical thing. I don't think any of us are angling for 19, um, but I don't know. There there are a long way to go. If that's there's the qualities <laughs> to this that really sure. just get totally thrown out by the bad well, that came out of it. Well, I, I think that kind of the 
the inner glee that you saw from people in the world, even some people in the church that they never admitted. Yeah. It, it was kind of this glee when, when, when stuff like this came out about Doug Phillips and of course the Duggars and Gothard of like, they saw those people fall. And I think that glee that kind of deep down, like, yes, all right. Comes from the fact that deep down, these people kn- knew that there, a lot of these guys had stuff, right. A lot of the things that, that they were pushing the big families and the father and, you know, anti-dating and modest dress. I think their inner glee stemmed from the fact that deep down, they knew they had a lot of that stuff, right. And the whole time they felt called out. They felt guilty. They felt judged because of it. It's the same thing. Like, when you know we were growing up and my mom would point out that we were or would tell somebody we were homeschooled people got like offended that we were homeschooled you know it was almost like a you know oh so you're saying public schools are, are not good enough and mom was basically like, yeah pretty much but you know what i mean like people <laughs> felt judged because of it and i think that was a lot of this with with this whole duggar movement that got all this is like they felt very judged and called out and so when the scandals happened and the big fall took place it was like Yes. All right. They felt justified, right? They felt justified to say, see, look how bad those people were. Similar to what Jack is saying is like, yeah, scandals are really bad. Like that's, that's awful. Does it mean that everything that they taught was wrong and bad? No, I don't think so. But I think that again, because they had such major scandals and it was such a a fall from grace, people felt kind of good about themselves that they never really bought into it in the first place. You see sexual scandals a lot in the church. Ravi Zacharias, Matt Chandler, we already mentioned, obviously all of these guys, there's so on and so forth. Lots Not of to be them. slanderous. The Matt Chandler one, nobody ever said what that actually was, whether it was sexual yeah, that's or not. True. It was very weird, that's but I, I just want to make sure we're not. He stepped down for, he didn't even step to, like he stepped aside for a second. Two months and then off, like, yeah. Two months off is like. Who knows? There's a lot of, there's a lot of cases. Yes. Just bottom line. But there's line. a lot. Yes. Good point. Good point. I mean, his, yeah, nobody really knows. And uh, we're not trying to I just don't want to get sued. That's all. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Um, like, I don't, I'm not trying to badmouth these people. I'm saying they look for that. First off, Satan knows how to attack us. Second off, what does that tell you? It's not just the church leaders. It's everybody in the church and everybody in the world. It is, it is so ironic to me that these are the same people pushing transgenderism. They're pushing all sorts of crazy stuff on kids, basically pedophilia. They're, push, they're pushing so much stuff. And then the moment one of these guys comes out and, and had a sexual miscue, boom, everything is gone. Everything is done. Like, how dare they? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's the inclusivity? Where's the, well, hey, we're all, you know, the polyamorous relationship. Why don't we just do that? Like, you don't get to have a discussion on these things and say, well, what hypocrites? They're they're preaching these things. Yeah, they're not perfect. And sexual sin, I mean, I've, I've read statistics that 33% of marriages have infidelity involved. One in three. So, and this tracks in the church as well. Pornography, we know the ridiculous statistics on that. These things happen. That doesn't disqualify you from ever being able to speak on something. Ravi Zacharias had some really interesting thoughts on God, really good thoughts on God. No, I don't believe he's a Christian that way, but he had some interesting thoughts on God. Doug Phillips had a lot of things right. So we instantly discredit him because of the sin that he had. It's like, would it have been better if he came out and turned out he was a massive gossip? Just gossiped all the time. You know, he was like... Those things aren't going to get that. Well, ugh, instant credibility lost. The moment they do this, there is. And yes, I realize it's tied into some of the patriarchy. They abuse that position. Patriarchy itself isn't wrong. Where did it go wrong for Doug Phillips? If you ever saw the guy speak, met the guy or saw the guy speak, which we did, going to a homeschool conference, you knew something was up because it wasn't the sexual sin that got him. It was his pride and it was his arrogance. Same thing with Robbie Zacharias. Same thing with all these guys, Bill Gothard. They're prideful men who allowed the... the 
prestige and power to go to their head. Your husband who's at home, who's trying to get you to submit as the wife, that's not the issue, right? Like it's not a matter of pride where everybody's pumping his tires right and left and telling him how great he is. He's trying to do what's biblical. The Bill Gothard umbrella thing all the way down is biblical. So I saw so oh. many Christians, the Duggar documentary came out, disavowing it and talking about the da- Christians, talking about the danger of this and really getting into the Me Too movement and everything else. And I'm just saying, stop, pump the brakes on it. That is, first off, the way we handle some of these things is why nobody comes forward about the sexual sin in their lives. Nobody does because you are instantly discredited and the worst human being on the on the planet. So that doesn't help. And second off, it doesn't, it doesn't kick you out of the church forever. What we want is to lead these guys toward repentance. And I know this is getting off in this. And, and so I, I apologize. This is a brief take. And of course, this is a hot button issue for me since I work with it all the time. I hated how homeschooling and patriarchy and, and the quiverful, all of the things that we, again, agree with were thrown out the window because of one guy's or these guys' sexual sins. Well, I, I think everybody has sexual sin on their own and we're very quick to point the finger so as to take the spotlight off of them. Anyway. I do have a thought on that, though, and that is that I think a lot of the outrage was that people felt, and they kind of were right, that the Duggars, Gothard, especially Phillips, they were telling people this is how you need to live your life. Sure, it lined up with God's word, but they were telling people if you don't live your life like this, then you're in the wrong. Well, then it turns out that they weren't living their life right in the least bit. Specifically, I'm thinking Phillips and Gothard. And so, Joe, I hear what you're saying, but I do sympathize with the people that are like, hold up, you're telling me that I need to do X, Y, and Z, and yet this is what you're doing to a 15-year-old girl? It's incredibly hypocritical. And so I understand the outrage. Again, I don't think that that means, okay, we'll just throw all of their teaching out the door because I was was watching a YouTube video um, kind of rehashing the Duggar-Gothard thing about um, uh, patriarchy and the you know wives, I mean, the husbands. And man, the guy brought up like, I guess Bill Gothard never read Ephesians 5.21 about submitting to one another and that the husband needs to submit to his wife sometimes. And it's like, okay, you just completely lost all credibility for me because that's completely ripping that out of context. And so it, it's it's the pendulum swing of these guys taught correctly, in my opinion, that the husband is the authority over the wife. But because they had their major, major scandal and their major fall from grace, now people want to swing it the other way and say, oh, you see, so that means we all need to submit to each other. And he brought up Galatians 3.28, we're all equal in Christ and all that. And that's, to me, the, the problem with it. But I did want to address, you know, I think people I were justifiably well, outraged. Because let me get they in were here. telling people. Yeah, go ahead. There is a very easy, short connecting dots line to draw from patriarchy, male dominance to taking advantage of women. And that's what makes this so easy for people is like, oh, you said you're in control of anything. You're the big man. And then you just go do this. Well, it's obvious what you were trying to do. You were taking power to abuse the power. I don't see a problem with that critique. The problem that people miss is egalitarianism, leveling up the spouses, leveling up male and female does the exact same thing. Oh, you're an empowered woman. Well, you know what empowered women ended up in porn ended up in, you know, these sites where they can go broadcast themselves at Instagram, where they can post their bodies all over the place to go get. And and so the egalitarian men, they're just as slick in taking their position to, to take advantage of women. The point in that is not that, 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 you know, validates or invalidates either of those positions. The point of that is men are very prone towards sexual sin and abuse of the people around them. They're going to find a way to do that under whatever system you have. The only way to protect against that happening is a virtuous patriarchy in which good men say, I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to let anybody else do it. I'm going to protect my wife. I'm going to protect my daughters. I'm going to protect the women around me. If I see another guy who's like that, I'm going to stand up and I'm not going to allow that in my church. 
that's really the only bulwark we have against that is a strong patriarchy. Egalitarianism doesn't have an answer for that. Empowering women always ends up in women being taken advantage of. And so, uh, again, only one side has the answer. That side can be abused and often is, but it's the side that does have the answer when done properly. And so it really is frustrating as somebody who is on this side of it to look at those guys and be like, look what you did, man. Look, look how much of an right. uphill battle you caused us sure. because of this, because there are also plenty of very virtuous, strong guys in this movement who didn't do that. Vody still going strong. You know, he, and again, these are denominational world people and people don't like sometimes when we get into these names, that's an admirable ban. I disagree with him on tons of stuff. He is a hyper Calvinist. I, I got problems with that. He's an honorable man. He has stood strong for some very important things who also came out of this movement. And so I like that's a good example of where it goes. These other guys, again, I'm very upset with them that they set us back in this way. But as Joe was saying, anybody who watched five minutes of 19 kids and counting went, there's something up here, man. These there's yeah. a look on all of these faces that is not natural. There, there's something wrong. I, I watched a Bill Gothard sermon way back in the day. And it was like, there's something up here, man. Like you just, you, you, you get that feeling and yeah, people abuse it. People abuse every system that's ever been put into place. Elderships are abused. Ministry roles are abused. Fatherhood is abused. Husband, yeah, like it, it's, it's a sin problem rather than ideology problem. Because again, the ideology is the only thing that can hold up against the sin problem because and God's made it that point. way. This is my point. Then we can move on. But I see what you're saying. Will I specifically get your point. They were touting these things specifically, and they went against it. There is such a hypocrisy present. What I'm really, I guess, hitting on is if we're waiting for the perfect man to get up and, and to live his life perfectly and what he espouses, we're going to be waiting a while. Like any preacher who gets up, you can rip his life apart and go, you preached on the sin of gossip, but brother, I heard you three weeks ago doing it. You just preached on anger. Well, I, see, I, I disagree, I disagree with that. I disagree I, with that I, as well. Yeah, see, I, I think I there's think, a large difference between, number one, the Bible draws a, less, a, a difference between sexual sin and true other sexual sin. sin. Number two, like, you know, I've, I've got some, I'm not perfect versus I am blatantly going against this thing. This I'm I'm holding everybody else to a really high standard, and, and I'm, I'm setting the bar way up here. The problem was, the and pride. I'm like running the other direction, right. uh, subverting my own standard. That's true. I, I get that. The problem to me was the pride and arrogance of them not confessing, them not coming forward, and them not handling it. From what I hear, Doug Phillips is still trying to make his own way. Like he never really did deal with that. Bill Gothard's completely fallen off the map. Like. To me, it's less, obviously they're, they're espousing something. I'm saying, yes, what they did was egregious. What they did was wrong. It's not good. But if they had been contrite and if they had said this was a major misstep, if they had done the appropriate things to now, they should never be given the same platform again. That's part of the consequences. At the same time, I don't know. I feel like the witch hunt and this, we had well, this cancel is culture. The witch hunt comes into everybody in the surrounding. Yes, they earned it. They earned the witch hunt because of the stupid decisions they made and the sin that they were in. But it's the fact that they're arrogant about it. Again, we all knew this ahead of time. These guys were major, majorly prideful and that they never really, they never tried to make it right. But it's everybody else in the vicinity where the witch hunt came for. And this with the Duggar documentary, they start pointing fingers at everybody. And I'm saying, well, is this guy sinful? Is this guy, has this guy ever done anything wrong? That's the explosion from this so no i'm not backing these well, guys I, or saying i'm just saying 
it created an opportunity for everybody to be scrutinized who has sinned, in my opinion, from the world, from those looking in on this movement. This is the whole discussion of, well, all sins equal in the sight of God. Sure it is. That doesn't mean the consequences are equal in the sight of God. And I think that's the biggest, you know, you bring up gossip. I'm sorry if it came out that Doug Phillips was a big gossip that that's not near the the level of consequence of this guy sexually abused a 15 year old and, you know, groomed her or whatever the terms are. I'm sorry. Those are different consequences. And that's like, that's a caution to anybody who is any preacher, anybody who's going to get up in a position of authority using God's word saying, this is how we need to live our lives, man, clean your life up of that stuff. And again, it's not to say that you have to be perfect because you will not be. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, project this image of I've never sinned and I never will sin, but man, don't don't get caught up in a sex scandal. Like it's to me, it's not that hard to to make right. that jump of that's that's very different than somebody who, you know, man, I, I let out a cuss word one time. See, I'm not perfect. Obviously, those things are, are very, very different. Um, so that was the only other thing I wanted to say on that because yeah, all sin is equal, and you know, we don't want to cast aspersions on one versus the other. However, the consequences are very different. But I do completely agree with you on the sense that the kind of false outrage over it was a bit disingenuous to me of like, oh, see, how dare these people? And it's like, how about you check your life first? So I, I get that. I'm with you there, but I I, I do think the outrage was a little bit more justified. People, I got people definitely took advantage all- of that. I mean, like they're, they're going to. For sure. My thing is, yes. if you're calling people to a higher standard, we have to live it and apply that's it exactly to ourselves. Right. That, that's exactly. I fully agree thing. to that. I All fully right, agree so to that. We never did the, the Duggar documentary. So go back and read Jack's article because he really did have a really great. I wanted to come back and plug that. Like he really it. did have a great article on that. So if you're wondering, we talked about covering it. Obviously, it exploded on Netflix and whatnot. Netflix, I think. Right. Um, I go back Amazon. and read his Amazon. Was it yeah. Amazon? OK, go back and read that article. Um, he really did have some good thoughts on on how to how Christians should view it. That's what burned me the most. It's not the world. Well, and- the world calls us hypocrites anyway. It's the fact that I saw multiple Christians getting on there. And yes, disavowing the guy. But it's like, wow, we all had to get on there and have this hot take of have a take. Oh, sure. that's horrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. We all know it's horrible. Stop piling on and giving the world all this fodder for Christians are nothing but hypocrites. Like that's, yeah, I guess, where, where it's coming from, from for me. Yeah. And I would say that would be what I would tell you know, my encouragement to Christians don't join in that crowd. It doesn't make it's the virtue signaling, right? See, I think this is bad too. Like, okay, big deal. Sure. We all do. And so, yeah, we've, we've hit around it and then we can move on. But like, this does not mean that what they taught was wrong. It does not mean that what they taught was completely off base. Did they abuse it for sure? But again, go through the hallmarks, homeschooling, you know, big families, modest dress, patriarchy, anti-dating, Check, 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 check. You know what I mean? Like those things to me line up very closely to what I see in God's word. And I would strongly discourage Christians from throwing that out and saying, see, that's, that's those are the fruit of all those things. No, they're not. That's the fruit of the abuse of those things. But man, I, it, like you say, we have a lot of Christians that want to be worldly deep down. And so they use stuff like the Duggars to say, see, homeschooling doesn't work. See, patriarchy doesn't work. See, all that modest dress stuff, all the anti-dating stuff's ridiculous. There are, you know, we can get into the the details and the nitty gritty of those things. I would encourage people don't just throw that out just because of the scandals. Yeah, just sum it up this way: we weigh the flaws of this movement against the fruits of the other one. No, no, apples to apples. Weigh the flaws right. that came out of this mm-hmm. with the flaws that come up out of that's everything else. Weigh the fruits that come out of this with the fruits that come out of everything else. And I think that's where you see we still are on this side of things. It's fruits are better. It's flaws are equal. They're equally bad, but but they're right there. Um, 
All right, we, we got to go on to the next one. I, you, no, we, we, gotta we are on. going to. I'm, I'm transitioning. I, well, hold but on. I, I got to give my weekly this. plug. You said the site, churchreset.substack.com. The deep thinkers are all already subscribers, but just in case anybody's listening hasn't already signed up, but that's where the article is. Go ahead. No, go ahead and get into your ad read too, because that kind of rolls into your other projects. Perfect. Yeah. A uh, lot of books coming out. Uh, last week, we plugged my new Mark study guide for Bible classes. Another one coming out. Uh, in fact, for people who didn't grow up in Sunday school, it's called Sunday School Catch-Up. Uh, we have starting line at Focus Press, which Will and Brad wrote for new Christians, kind of introducing them to the church, the worship of the church, the doctrine of the church. One of the things I realized in talking to people is we don't have things for people that didn't go to vacation Bible school, didn't grow up with the stories, Daniel in the lion's den, Jonah, like stories that might be vaguely familiar. And if the preacher ever gets up and goes, well, as we all know, Rehoboam did, we don't all know. We don't live in a culture where everyone grew up saturated in the Bible. And I've met a lot of people who are like, I People assume I know stuff and I don't. Sunday school catch up is for you. And, and even people who grew up in a church that maybe it wasn't a very robust Bible class program, program growing up where you just feel like, man, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. There's stuff in the Old Testament they talk about I haven't heard of. I don't know who we're talking about or what's going on with X, Y or Z. Sunday school catch up is for you. It's not out yet. It is on pre-order status. Uh, it is it is in the works. We'll be out, uh, Lord willing, shortly here in the next month or two. And yeah, it's it's something I really think a lot of individuals might benefit from reading, but also Bible classes. I mean, just anytime a new Christian comes on, they're they're baptized as an adult, take them through starting line. You know, we're going to package these things together, starting line and Sunday school catch up uh, to really give somebody the background they need so they can feel caught up with everybody else. And so uh, very excited about that. Focuspress.org, uh, Sunday school catch up. Uh, check that out. Put in a pre-order. Uh, it goes a long way. I think it's, it's something that's useful to a lot of people, but it really supports our ministry when people get our books, tell other people's about their other people about them, uh, use them in their church. And so, uh, that's our plug for this week. All right. We got two left. All right. We're running out of time. So we're going to go real quick. Go Joe. Yes. Let's, let's roll in. Um, I will say we didn't discuss the quiverful, like our own personal beliefs on, should we all be having 19 kids? We, we briefly touched on it. We're going to save that discussion for the deep end. So if you're interested, um, subscribe at, at uh, Folks Plus. And yeah, join the deep end because we'll get into what we think on that. Will, you mentioned one of the hallmarks of this is the anti-dating movement. That gets us into this next one, which is the Josh Harris, I guess, dating goodbye, anti-dating. Purity culture. Uh, purity culture movement. And I have we just... I feel like we discussed this briefly on another podcast. I don't know if we got into it too much. The purity culture movement comes around, and what was it? I, I need to do the research on the date exactly, but I want to say late 90s, early 2000s. Because I kiss dating goodbye also came at the same time as the true love waits thing and the promise rings. Yes, yes. Uh, promise rings, I think of Jonas Brothers and, and people like that. That, oh, dear. Like that went that went well. You know, the, the promise ring culture of like, <laughs> we're going to wait. Um, and, and this purity culture of, Hey, maybe we should wait until marriage because everybody's being promiscuous. The crazy thing is when that came out, yeah, that was kind of a problem. Imagine that now. Think of the promiscuity yeah, no taking kidding. place now and all the kids going LGBTQ. Like we live in a different world, man. Just 20 years ago, how much things have changed. But Josh Harris comes out with I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And it was just re-examining, like, are we doing what we should with dating? Is this because dating in a lot of ways, and we harped on this before, is kind of practice for divorce. And so he was rethinking some things. And I don't think that was wrong. I don't think taking a, like scrutinizing the idea of dating and looking at it going, is this the best way we could do it? Uh, that's not wrong at all. It ushered in a courtship movement, which is tied in heavily with the Gothard Vision Forum, Doug Phillips, you know, those guys. 
big courtship pushers and patriarchy. This does stand separate, though, because Josh Harris had nothing to do with those guys. And from what I'm aware, I think he may have been in some similar well, circles. He had his like own follow up book called The Boy Meets Girl, I think. And it was kind yeah, of like his go. prescription for how it should be, where I guess dating goodbye is how it shouldn't be. So, yeah. so what? OK, so that's kind of what this is all about. The purity culture in saving yourself for marriage. Can we all agree? Hands up. Yeah, of course. That's good things. Right. It's the same thing as we've been talking about. Those were really good things to start. What's the problems, though? So Whoever I'll first hand, to hand it to Jack. We did have a really good episode on the kind of the pros and cons, honestly, of courtship and is dating a good idea. Um, and we we came out and said, like, look, dating is not a good idea. Like, I, I, I'll stand firm on that. I know I think I'm pretty sure you guys are aligned with me. Like, I am fairly still anti-dating. To me, the biggest problem with this movement, and I'm sure we'll get into a where are we now, you know, episode with about Josh Harris, you know, spiel here in just a second because where he is now is quite frankly off the deep end um to me the biggest problem with this movement because i i am anti-dating i think we need to find a different way to me the biggest problem was it created this idea of okay if, if you do things this way if you follow this exact recipe step by step here's how it needs to be done your marriage will be great your relationship will be great your problems yeah. will be solved and people bought that that's and, and I'll, I'll full disclosure. I've not read I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It's on my list to read, but I, I know the, the premise of it. I know the tenets of what he was promoting. I know the, the tenets of the anti-dating purity movement. And that was that was kind of the message that a lot of people got was, hey, do things this way. Follow these steps. Follow this recipe. Your marriage, your relationship will be great. A lot of people followed the steps, followed the recipe, got into their marriage. And guess what? It wasn't great. They married the wrong person. There were a lot of things that went wrong. Now, they, they blamed Josh Harris and they blamed the, the process. They blamed the procedure. I don't necessarily think that that's right. Like, look, if you marry the wrong person, that's on you. However, I do think that this false mindset or this false idea of if I just do these things right, my relationship will be great is not necessarily always the case. The one again, it's the one size fits all. Does it mean that it we should promise go back to dating? Go ahead. It made promises it couldn't keep. It really is what it right. comes down to. It made a lot of promises to people that it could not keep because people are messy. People have problems. Right. People have hidden porn addictions that they didn't happen to tell their their future spouse about. Well, and they got in and go, whoa, I did what I was supposed to. This was the promise made to me and it's broken. And that's uh, what we got into with the courtship episode is it's it's so idealistic. It's so, yeah. you know, the bar is, is set so high up here. And sure, it'd be great if you could reach that. It'd be great if you could go to the dad and do all these things. That's just not how a lot of people operate. And so, again, does it mean we need to go back to one-on-one -on -one dates by ourselves in the car? No, I don't think so. But I think it left a lot to be desired, and it did fool a lot of people into thinking, well, I just have to do things this way, and then I'll be good to go. That simply wasn't the case. Jack? There's just so much casualness, and, and we're we're in such a different cultural moment that you have to understand that like casual dating of, oh, I'll just go out with somebody new every week, that was a thing. And I mean, you watch the TV shows back then, Seinfeld. Every episode, Jerry's got a new girlfriend, and people almost were that way of, you know, well, I'll just try this person. You'd see somebody, you know, the boyfriend or girlfriend for two or three months, and then another one, and then another one, another one. It's like, this is not healthy for anybody involved. And one of the things that, and you still see this some, but it's just insane, is you see, you know, people, you know, with, with their 10-year-old. Yep, that's her boyfriend. Like, your 10-year-old girl does not need a boyfriend. What are you right. thinking? And and so that was a very needed critique of I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And the, the famous 
I guess, lingering image from the book was the one about uh, at your wedding or you having a dream about your wedding and, you know, your your wife is standing up there and behind her is a trail of all the guys she kissed and dated and slept with and whatever else. And you've got your own, you know, uh, string of women behind you and like that, that you're bringing that baggage into your marriage. And And some people thought that's not fair. That's over the top. There's some usefulness to that. It's because, a great premise. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to in your marriage, you're going to start comparing. Oh, well, you know what? He left his clothes on the floor and didn't put in the laundry basket. I bet so and so wouldn't have done that. You know, like you, you are creating this baggage. And so it was a fair critique. On the other side, an unmarried 21 year old was probably not the guy to write the book. I, I think, you know, I we we kind of have this debate internally where I'm kind of like, we shouldn't do parenting episodes. We're a bunch of knuckleheads. And you guys are like, well, there's some principle. We did the gentle parenting one, which I think was pretty good in itself. But I don't want to go too far down that road because there's an expertise there that some people are going to have that maybe I'm not. I really feel like that was the thing with Josh Harris is is all very theoretical. And and so lots of valid critiques. The the. I don't know. The alternative was being fleshed out in real time. It was still very much being constructed. And that's where you saw it go a bunch of different directions and true love weights and courtship and and whatever different directions that it took. We sell Engage uh, here at Focus Press, which uh, uh, Dr. Brad Harab and, and Rob Whitaker wrote together on courtship and rethinking how we walk down the aisle. I think is what they called Both it. Both of whom had been married for you know 15 plus years when the book was written. So a little different. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and so, um, you know, it. It was a, a movement that needed kicking off, but also needed time to breathe. And maybe sh- because that book was so big, so much of it centered on that book rather than what followed after. And I think what followed after was a lot of good stuff. Now, Josh Harris, sadly, way, way off the trail. Not part at of the this good point. stuff that followed. Yeah, right. I mean, the fruit there is is bad in itself. But on the other hand, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Those critiques, there was a lot of validity in them and they stuck well. And I think they drove some good change. I, I think, again, he didn't have all the answers. We shouldn't have been looking to him for all the answers as a 21-year-old. But I think some positive things came out of it. I, I really do. But let me also say this, and I think I made this on the um, that podcast back then, the, the point that why did a 21-year-old write the book? Nobody else was doing yeah, this it. Is, this is a great point. For people. Yeah. Where were the older people going? Hey, let, I'll take that one. Let me write the book on why no, the, the older dating... people were the ones asking the 12 year olds. Well, who's your girlfriend? That's, no, that's exactly what the older it. And they still yeah. are. And so this is why people critique us and go, you guys are, we got called on um, one of our recent episodes that people were not happy with. Like, Oh, those young, young kids just don't know anything like, okay. I understand. There's a critique there, Jack. You're right about the parenting thing. But what frustrates me is why are we the ones having to do it? Because nobody else will. Where are the older people saying up? Well, they don't know technology or they don't have the platform. Or, oh, I don't know. I guess you could kind of figure it out the way the rest of us do. So that to me is a massive chip on my shoulder. Like I get so frustrated. I shouldn't, we shouldn't be leading these discussions. Full disclosure, we probably should not be. Why are we? Because nobody else is. Why well, how many Josh older Harris- Christians do we talk to where they just kind of reminisce about the good old days and oh, that girl I dated and boy, she sure was nice. And they say that right in front of their wives, like yeah, this is the problem. You or don't you don't see no the problem why. with that. To the parenting point, their kids are unfaithful. That's right. The other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Have a tough time writing a book when you've lost all four of your kids type of thing to the world. So, yeah, that may be a harsh stance and maybe people get frustrated at me. But if the older people want to stand up and start writing books and podcasts about how we should do it, I legitimately I'll be the first one to line up because I do that in the denominational world. People get ticked at me in the church of Christ. You can't read denomination. Yes, you can. If people in church of Christ were doing it, we do it. 
there's there's a few out there, right? The Collie's got some things and such, but overall, like we just don't have in terms of older Christians writing parenting books and marriage books and things like we don't have a lot in the church. Somebody's going to have to step up and start doing this. So I'm that's a, a brief soapbox as far as it goes with the I kiss dating goodbye. Same principle. The principle was right. The the way that it was taken, the false promises, everybody getting upset, you know, that this wasn't it. And then they blame the movement. Don't blame the movement. Like right. this, the movement was a, a, a skeletal structure. It was not the flesh and bones. Like it, it, or it was not the flesh rather. It was not the skin. It was not everything else, the vital organs. It was just the skeletal structure of this is what we think would be really good going forward. That part's not wrong. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's recognize that there were some very good tenants to that. It just went very, very poorly in, in practicality in some people's lives, I should say. And then they blame the movement and blame Josh Harris and he blamed himself and disavowed the book and is a nut job and left his wife and everything else. Just because he did that doesn't mean that what he did back to the, the Doug Phillips doesn't mean that what he taught was completely off the deep end. Joe, to your point and Jack, then you can, you can take us, you know, home, I guess, if we're ready to wrap up to Josh Harris's defense. He questions standard practices, and I think that that is something, Joe, to your point, why aren't a lot of older people doing that? That is something we need to be doing with our schooling methods and raising our kids, with our dating methods, with all these things. We need to be questioning. We need to be looking at it going, uh, yeah, a lot of kids are sleeping with their boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe we should consider a way to prevent that, hopefully. Yeah, a lot of kids are buying into wokeism and kind of leaving the church. Maybe we should consider where they spend, oh, I don't know, 12 years of their life. You know, so I, I do think that there is a lot of value in younger people questioning standard practices because older people typically don't. Problem is, like you guys brought up, younger people are going to be the ones like Josh Harris who are more prone to kind of get some things wrong because they don't have the wisdom and the experience. But I did want to shout that out because, look, we got to question these things. And Josh Harris did to his credit. Yeah. We had another one on the outline, uh, Promise Keepers, the men's movement in the 90s. Some people might remember that. Uh, It was a gigantic thing. Uh, I think their biggest rally had like 600,000 men come out for it. And so it it was something. However, we've been talking about for a while revisiting the masculinity episode we did last year, adding on to it. I think it'd be good to save that for that. Talk about some of the movements in masculinity. This is stuff you guys do on the the Godly Young Men podcast all the time. But uh, I think it's time for another think deeper, deep dive into uh, masculinity. Uh, Plus, we we ranted too long about Doug Phillips. We did. We did. (laughs) We we debated too much on that. Uh, The other thing being that was that arc of masculinity, femininity and and kind of the uh, there's three or four episodes. That's the most cited one we get from people is, man, that was amazing when you did that. I learned so much from that. We learned so much from it. I mean, like that, that's really useful stuff, I think. And so uh, let's save that one for that. We've got some great stuff for the deep end about uh, the Quiverful, 19 kids and counting, things like that. So Focus Plus, uh, focuspress.org slash plus if you want to get in on that and everything else going up there. Um, again, pre-order the new book, Sunday School Catch-Up. The Mark Study Guide pre-order is also there. Will, you had something? Yeah, I'm sorry. I know we got a wrap. Joe had a really good point last week that I I wanted him or one of you guys to kind of end this episode with because it's the idea of, okay, why does this stuff matter? You know, we're in the church of Christ, you know, whatever this stuff, you know, resonates with people, these movements, this, the, the Gothard movement, the, the, the the purity culture movement, even the last episode, the mega church movement, the emergent church movement, the radical crazy love stuff. This resonates with people for a reason. 
and this is why it matters. So I don't, John, I don't know if you want to basically kind of restate what you said last week, but it's such a good way to conclude, to wrap up this discussion on why are we even talking about this? So take it away and then we can wrap up. I appreciate up. it. As Jack said, we were talking off air about it. It filled a need. He said it perfectly. Each one of these filled a specific need that we had. You look at the emerging church movement. Yes, churches were getting very stuffy and not helping the poor, not considering any of the things that the church historically going back to first century, whatever it is, like we were known as those caring for orphans and widows in their distress, right? True and undefiled religion in James 1. So we had left that and the emergent church says, we're going to go all in on that. That was a need. They were filling the need. Did they do it well? No, because they left doctrine behind. That's a problem. The radical crazy love we talked about. You have a lot of stale Christians. You have a lot of lukewarm Christians that are just comfortable doing the same thing day in, day out, not having any care or concern for their faith and for God. That was the need, and it was meeting that specific need. Did it do it perfectly? No, but it was meeting the need. The mega church one's a little bit diff- more difficult for, but I think people were, they wanted to feel religious in some way, and it got them back into church. It made church more accessible to them, I think, instead of walking in. And and I, I don't think that's a good thing, but at the same time, walking into small ch- congregation, all eyes go on you. Like it allowed church to be accessible. The Doug Phillips, the Quiverful, the Gothard, you know, that movement there was a specific need for patriarchy that it was filling. Interestingly, a lot of the people that were following it were the mothers and the fathers didn't always get involved. And so it was more of a matriarchy driven thing about patriarchy, trying to push the fathers. But either way, we didn't get into that. Um, Each one of these is trying to meet a very real need. They did it imperfectly, but that doesn't mean the need doesn't still exist. So that's where Jack's church reset as we start talking and fleshing out the church, what we're going to go to speak in, in Victor Valley or at Victor Valley. Um, those things, there's a way to do this. God created the perfect organization, but we need to give some, some thought to that of like, before we write people off, go, how could they? Wow. That's so dumb. What were they trying to do with it? So that's just the quick wrap up. I would say is always judge it by why would people follow this to such a degree? They're trying to meet a need. How can we, through the word of God, standing on strong, firm doctrine, begin to meet the needs of going out and taking care of the poor and the orphans and the widows and going out and sharing our faith with others and being a little more gospel centered and thinking about how Christ can rule our life. Those things matter. Fellas, anything you'd add to that? I think it's a great place to leave the the two episodes. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up there. I think we got another great episode on the books coming for next week, but um, yeah, we'll wrap up right there. Make sure to catch us truly folks. Plus, we're, we're excited every time for deep end. We got some really good content. This one will be a pretty good discussion. Leave your comments to the focus plus subscribers. Please leave your comments on this for the two episodes. If you got some from the first one, we'll cover them in this one as well. Leave your comments. We'll have that on Friday, ready to go. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again next week. 